I was exhausted. It was our fifth day on the trail, and it had not stopped raining. As we hiked through the eastern peaks of the Adirondack region in upstate New York, I felt like giving up. My feet were so wet that each step I took, they squished in my boots. The water sloshed around. We hadn't been dry in days. And because of the wetness, uh, I had developed this serious case of kind of trench foot. My feet were all swollen, right? I would take off my boots at night, and the skin was getting ready to peel off the bottom of my foot. I was completely miserable. And we still had nine more days. (laughs) Just when I thought it couldn't get any worse, our one stove to cook our only hot food broke. It would be no hot food for a few days. And to make matters worse, I was the leader of this hopeless, miserable expedition. It was my sophomore year of college, and I was working at an all-boys Christian camp in upstate New York, Deerfoot Lodge, and I was leading a two-week hiking trip in the high peaks. So we were all excited. We're going to hike 23 of the 46 high peaks in two weeks. We're all excited to go, and we go, and it rains almost the entire trip. So as we were hopeless and ready to give up, uh, we hiked through this one mountain range, and I'll never forget this. We get caught in this thunderstorm at the top of the mountain. I'm like afraid these high school boys that are with me are going to get struck by lightning, right? So we're hiding right next to this rock. Eventually, the storm calms down, and uh, we hike down the mountain, and it was another six hours of hiking to our campsite. We're hiking by headlamp, and one of my campers was falling asleep while hiking. He fell asleep as we were crossing the stream, and we fished him out after he woke up. But we were miserable, but we had a little tiny shred of hope for day seven. Day seven, we were going to be resupplied. And resupply meant not only a new stove and extra gas, but it meant a ton of food. So the best thing is uh, we were looking forward to these guys who were coming from the camp because they would always bring with them 12 extra-large pizzas. I swear all of our conversations were about pizza for about three days. That hot, juicy, delicious, melty, crispy pizza. All we did was talk about pizza. So finally day seven came, and it was our first day without rain. We hiked out to the resupply point, And we met up with these guys, and I've never eaten so much pizza in my life. I ate an extra large pizza with the works on it all by myself. But we had been given new strength. And it was strength from outside of ourselves. We were resupplied, re-energized. Without that resupply, there's no way we could have made it the rest of the trip. We needed power from the outside. Now, let me ask you a question. Is there ever a time in your life where you felt totally depleted and exhausted? We've all been there. Or maybe a time where you were asked to complete a task that you knew you couldn't do on your own. 
There's moments in our lives where we feel, where we know we can't do things in our own strength. And we're pushed to rely on someone outside of ourselves. In Romans chapter 7, Paul is kind of going through this struggle of the Christian walk. And he says in verse 15, he says, I don't understand what I'm doing. I don't do what I want to do. And I do the very thing that I hate. Paul is struggling with his Christian life, and he is failing in his own strength. Finally, later in the passage, he comes to this realization. He can't do it. He can't do it on his own. He needs power from outside of himself. And in the same way Paul couldn't do it, we cannot do it on our own. And we can't do our lives at all by ourselves. We think that we can do it, but we can't. And a huge part of our lives is our work. That's why over the past few weeks, we've been talking about this series on work. I mean, we spend the majority of our waking hours in the workplace. Whether you get paid for your job, or maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and you don't receive any payment for your job, we all do work. In week one, uh, Pastor Nathan talked about how we were created to work. How in Genesis, Adam and Eve are tilling the ground and tilling the soil before sin ever entered the world. In week two, Pastor Chuck talked about our problems with work. He talked about how after the fall and sin entered the world, that our relationship, not only with one another, but with our work, changed. And how instead of easily and joyfully tilling the ground, we were now toiling and struggling in the thorns and thistles. We were now struggling in our workplace. The relationship with work had changed. But Jesus came and he redeemed us. And not only did he redeem us, but he redeemed our work as well. And now because of that redemption, we talked about in week three how every job we do unto the Lord. Every job we operate under the Lordship of Christ. Every single moment of our lives we do unto the Lord. So this week you might be feeling a little bit tired. Some of you are thinking, you know, how can I do all this? How can I work with joy? How can I work unto the Lord? You don't really know my boss, Pastor. My boss is pretty bad. You don't really know my coworkers. You know, my coworkers stink. You don't know what I have to do every day. And so I have a straight up answer for you tonight. You cannot do it. You can't do it. You can't do it in your own strength. You need something beyond yourself. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about tonight. This is where our passage comes in. Abiding, relying in Christ. We need power beyond ourselves. We need Christ. So the awesome thing about abiding is there's not one outcome. There's not one thing that happens when we remain in Christ, when we abide in Christ. But there's multiple things that happen. First of all, we bless others. Second, we glorify God. And finally, we ourselves have joy. So first, I want to take a look at what I mean when I say abide in Christ. In verse 1 of chapter 15, Jesus is speaking to the disciples, 
And he says this. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. Now, Jesus is speaking to the disciples. At 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, he will be hanging on a cross. This is his last teaching with his disciples. These are his final words before the trial and the crucifixion. So they've been learning from him for months now. They've been spending their lives with him. These 11, they know him well. Judas is not there. He's already gone, right? He's already getting ready to betray Jesus. So the 11 are there listening. And Jesus is telling them. He asks for them to remain in him. And his message is clear that we are called to an intimate union with him. And he uses this kind of extended metaphor at this point in the text about being the vine and how the Father is the vine dresser. So the the other pastors thought it would be a great idea tonight for me to have a huge fruit tree up here, right? I could like cut off a branch and throw it over there and do some crazy stuff and teach you guys all about it. Um, So I have pretty much the same thing. So uh, Rachel, if you would come up here. Uh, By the way, this is my beautiful wife, Rachel. And so, and so instead of having a fruit tree, we have our basil plant. So this basil plant has actually been alive in our possession for over a month, which is really, really an accomplishment in and of itself. So um, Jesus is using this vine analogy. So I just want you to raise your hand. How many of you have walked by a vineyard in the past month? Okay, a couple people, okay. So you're not going to walk by a vineyard where we are, right? Now, if you asked people in the first century if they had walked by a vineyard, it would be a ridiculous question because you were constantly walking by vineyards. People understood what a vineyard was. And even people had grapevines growing around their houses. Everyone knew what a vineyard was. And so um, he uses this analogy about being connected to the vine. So uh, just for example, if we were to take a, uh, a branch, or in this case, a leaf, off of this, this tree, right, this plant, it would be ridiculous to think that I could take this and either plant it in the ground or leave it by its own and it would grow, right? That's ridiculous because a leaf or a branch can't grow away from the roots and the stem of a plant. All the water, all the oxygen, all the nutrients are delivered from the roots and the stem. It's crazy. And it's kind of common sense for us. And so uh, Jesus is using this illustration and he's calling himself the vine. He is the one that we are branching off of. You can sit down, Rachel. You don't have to stay up here with any longer. (laughs) I knew she wanted to sit down really bad. So it's common sense that all plants gain their nourishment from their roots and their stem. Water and oxygen, all these things come through the roots and the stem to the branches. That's why it's ridiculous, here you go, Richard, here's a gift, uh, to think uh, of breaking a branch off and having it grow on its own. Um, 
In the same way, it's ridiculous to think that we can flourish in our lives without being connected directly to Christ. It doesn't make any sense. But here's the problem. I wish I could tell you during my life that I naturally remain in him, that I naturally abide in him. But it's not true. My default is to separate. My default is to say, oh, I can do this on my own. I can do this in my own strength. And when I make that choice, I'm completely drained. I'm exhausted because I'm not remaining in him. There's so many times in my life where I've focused on the fruit, right? I focus on the joy and on the love. And I don't focus on the one who actually grows the fruit, who's Christ. As Christians, we're called to focus on the vine. And it's crazy when you're abiding or remaining in Christ, the difference is wild. You see every situation differently. You see people differently. You have joy naturally. You have love naturally. You don't have to fake it. You just have it. So am I saying that when we abide, it's only for us? It's only a personal benefit? You know, is abiding some kind of self-help program, right? Is it only good for us? Well, no, I'm not really saying that because also when we abide, we bless others. We bless others through it. Uh, Let's look at that. In verse 4, Jesus says the following. He says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. For apart from me, you can do nothing. When Jesus references fruit, he's referencing the fruit of the Spirit. These things that naturally come from him. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit by nature that we get from him is for others. Think about it. Does a fruit tree itself benefit from the fruit? No, it's for the ones who pick the fruit. The only benefit to the fruit tree is that there's seeds in the fruit. And the seeds can lead to reproduction. But other than that, the fruit is for those who pick it. Now, I've worked a million different jobs in my short career time, and uh, some have been better than others. I'll never forget my first job in upstate New York. Uh, I was working in the Adirondacks, and I was working with these lumberjacks splitting wood for people in the backcountry. So we had a wood splitting machine that uh, was very easy, you could use, but some of these people lived so far in the backwoods that we couldn't get the machine out to them, right? It was on a trailer. So we would have to hike up to their house with chainsaws and axes, and we would have to do it the old-fashioned way. Now, I'm this Florida boy, right? I don't know anything about splitting wood. And so uh, my one coworker, this huge Norwegian guy named Ken Christensen, he taught me everything about using a chainsaw and splitting wood. And there's actually a lot of form to it. We usually worked about 12 hours a day. But I enjoyed the work because of Ken. The first two days, he was so patient with me. 
All he did was teach me proper form with an axe, how to split wood safely, how to use a mauler, which is the huge axe with the really heavy triangular top on it, how to use one of those and be safe, how to be safe with a chainsaw. He took two days of his time just to explain that stuff to me. And then after that, he knew that the work was grueling and that I was exhausted. I remember I had so many blisters on my hands the first week. My back was aching. He would allow me to take short breaks throughout the day. He was gracious to me, and he was patient with me. And because of him, I viewed work differently. And honestly, now when I have an axe or I have a chainsaw, I feel like I'm in God's presence because of Ken. He shared the fruit with me. He exuded the fruit of the Spirit. And that's an awesome thing. Uh, So uh, that's all good and nice, right? That abiding blesses others. But isn't this uh, whole Christian thing about God, right? You know, aren't we supposed to uh, be doing stuff for God? Well, when we bless others, we also glorify God. We glorify Him. So in verse 7, Jesus uh, continues. He says, If you abide in me, And my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Did you know that when people see you sharing the fruit of the Spirit, that they're getting a glimpse of God? When people see the fruit in your life, they're actually seeing God. I don't care if you're a Fortune 500 company CEO or some guy splitting wood in the Adirondacks. If you're living out the fruit of the Spirit, if you're being loving and kind and patient, you are giving people a picture of God. John later says in his book, he says, you know, people can't really see God, but you know who they can see? They can see you. And your love is made complete, or his love is made complete when you show it. John says that later in his book. And this is kind of crazy because not only does abiding bless others and bring glory to God, but it also brings us joy. It brings us joy on top of all that. In verse 11, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Now, it's kind of counterintuitive. We think in order to have joy, we need to serve ourselves, right? We think I need to go out and get a massage or I need to go to get a manicure or a pedicure, right? I need to go do these things where I'm serving myself. And these are good things, but when we're done with them, the joy's gone, right? It doesn't last. It doesn't last at all. And uh, so it's really the opposite. When we serve others, our joy is made complete. I don't know if any of you have seen this video that's kind of going around online. There's this big present-giving machine, which is in the middle of a train station. It's during Christmas time, right? And so this machine is kind of spitting out these presents to people. And so people are walking by, and they're getting these presents. And there's only one stipulation. If you get the present from the machine, you have to go and give it away. So you've got to give it to somebody else, right? And so these people take these presents, they're wrapped up, and they give them to random people in the train station. And the crazy part is the individuals that give the stuff away have way more joy 
than the people who receive it. And as humans, we are wired to serve. When we serve God and we serve others, our joy is made complete. So when we abide, we bless others, we give glory to God, and we have joy. Notice Jesus doesn't say when you abide in church or when you abide in your quiet time or when you abide in your Bible study. He says when you abide. This is something you can do anywhere at any time. Now, uh, how many of you have a, a copier at work? Raise your hand if you have a copier at work. Okay, a good amount of you. So how many of you have to walk to that copier? Oh, a fair amount. Well, that's an opportunity to be in conversation with God. Now, this is a broader question. How many of you send emails at work? How many of you send emails? Be honest, most of you, most of you. Um, in that moment, when you send that email, you can ask yourself, how would Jesus respond to this person? How would Jesus handle this situation? How many of you have a morning commute on the train or uh, maybe in the car, a lot of you? This is another opportunity to be in conversation with God or to listen to his word. These are all opportunities to abide. Every moment of our lives is an opportunity to abide. Imagine right now in your workplace, if tomorrow that there was one person in your workplace who was abiding, who was remaining in Christ, what would happen? How would your workplace look different? What if there was two people who were abiding? What if there was two people abiding in your workplace and they were providing fruit for others? How would your workplace or your office look different? Crazy question. What if your entire staff was abiding? How would your workplace look any different? When we abide, we bless others, we glorify God, and we have joy. Thanks be to God.